Welcome to Just Break Up, the podcast about love, heartbreak, and all the relationship advice you don't want to hear. My name is Sierra DeMolder. And I'm Sam Blackwell. And this week, we're going to tackle topics like when your friends have low standards. (laughs) Hey. (laughs) Yeah, I know. Here's looking at you. Uh, Learning to love by loving and sex. All right. (laughs) Yeah, right. But before we begin, we just want to give you our Surgeon General's warning, which is that we are not licensed mental health professionals. Right. We are not trained or qualified to do this in any way. So please take our advice as you see fit. We're just here to offer our humble musings uh, to hopefully shed some understanding and maybe some laughs on the incredibly rewarding but mostly confusing experience that is love. So, Sam... Welcome to this episode, whatever number it is. <laughs> I have to welcome, I have to usher you into this space. Yeah. Welcome to our uh-huh. listeners. I, welcome to Sam. Welcome. I to, appreciate that. As if uh, I'm like always the guest on the Sierra show. Yeah. Well, that is in my mind. <laughs> yes, true. Um, the, I also like, because I've been watching, or I've been listening to a podcast called Spooked um, by Snap Judgment, and it's all uh, ghost stories from real people. Um mm-hmm. I feel like I need to welcome any like spirits into this space too. (laughs) You know, spirits who have like maybe unresolved ghosting issues. (laughs) Yes. There you go. They're being haunted by the love of their ex. Right. Right. Do you um, believe in ghosts? Absolutely not. I cannot wait to talk to you more about this online. I mean, offline, offline. Uh, Uh, What about me makes you think that I would believe in ghosts? Honestly, I would 90% vote no, but there's a part of you that is slightly drawn to like crystals. (laughs) And that part of you, you know, you're very empathetic and surprisingly open to new ideas uh, mm-hmm. even though you're very strong in your own. So that's, that's the 10%, you know, it's like, it's like your left ear believes that ghosts could be real. <laughs> um, okay. Anyway, on, on to like an actual topical subject. Um, uh-huh. I want all of our lovely just breakup listeners to know that uh, a couple weekends ago, Willow and I got married. What? Yes. I had no idea. Yes, you're a liar. Um, <laughs> and uh, it was very lovely. It was in front of our um, most immediate family, like 12 adults, and uh, due to COVID. And it was not the wedding that we imagined, um, but it was everything that we needed in that moment, except for mm. Sam and dancing (laughs) Um, everything you needed does not include me apparently yes yes uh but i don't want to kind of i don't really want to get into it because it was intimate and um it was also bittersweet because and very Mm -hmm. confusing because it was um kind of like a you know a consolation wedding because our real one was canceled or postponed we haven't really decided um but uh, I do talk about it a little bit on our Patreon with Spencer a couple episodes ago, just mm. like my feelings about what it, what the, how the day came about and stuff. But um, it was lovely, and I'm very grateful, and I and I love um, my wife. I get to say that now. <laughs> uh, my wife. No, don't say that. <laughs> I got into a text conversation with Peter about how that's like the only non problematic joke in that entire movie, <laughs> and I was like yeah, going right. along with it, but I've never actually seen it. So um, I've never seen it either. Really? Oh my god, we are twins. Um, okay, but I wanted to share one funny story with Sam. That Sam, I've been saving 
to tell you on the podcast for like three and a half weeks now. Okay, so I'm so excited. Uh, yeah, maybe two weeks before or a week and a half before our actual, um, like two weeks before the date of our wedding, which was, and this is what I get into on the Patreon. We weren't really supposed to have a wedding. It was meant to be just like a party um, where our friends and fa- uh, not our friends, our immediate family got to meet each other because they hadn't mm. actually met, you know, like our siblings, mm-hmm. or our parents. Um, but like my mother couldn't be there um, because she is in like a highly uh, infected COVID space, whatever. So the, 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 what the event was kind of evolved over the four weeks leading up to it. Cause at first we we're like, it'll just be a little party. And they're like, well, let's exchange our vows because life is short and we don't know if we're going to, or, and then finally we're like, okay, let's, uh, we went to the, get our marriage license. And in New York, you have to wait 24 hours. And w- we brought it, we thought we could just do like a courthouse thing. We brought it home. And I, my sister was going to officiate our wedding, the original one. And I was like, well, what if my sister can get ordained online and just marry us at this thing, at this get together that we're having? So it, this is this is what I mean when I say like kind of took shape over the weeks leading up to it. Like I didn't know I was going to get married on this date two weeks before the date. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, uh, so this is all to say we went to get our marriage license and the day we were going Willow had to like go through her personal documents to find her birth certificate. And at one point she had to apply for a new passport. So she had her, all of her documents in like this official folder that they sent back. Um, Mm. And they, in this pile of, I I like walk into her office um, and in, in this pile of, of papers, like 15 minutes before we go to get our marriage license, I see a piece of paper that has the word divorce on it. And I, two things you need to know about me. One, I have dated two people who didn't tell me that they were divorced Uh for like multiple months into our relationship. So it's like a sensitivity to me, like no shame to divorce people. I have no problem with divorce, but it's the fact that they like hid it from me. Um, And number two, funny little trivia about me. A couple of years before Willow and I reconnected, I was, you know, internet stalking her the way you do for a long lost love. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. 15 years after the fact. Yeah, I, okay, okay. It was 10. It was 10 at the time. But I was like, oh, I wonder what this person's up to. Little did uh-huh. I know she was my future wife. Um, and I remember Googling her. And you know those like weird information websites that I'm sure like private eyes use? I don't know. Honestly, I, I Googled it. I Googled her full name and like a couple things came up and one of them that came up and I didn't like pay money for this or anything, but one mm-hmm. of them that came up said like her name, her birthday, the city she lived in because the internet's weird and has all sorts of information about us. And it said married. And I, <laughs> and in my heart, 10, you know, a couple years ago, I was like, okay, cool. So I officially have to close that door. She's married, whatever. Right. Right. When we reconnected two years ago, we, I was like, I thought you were married. I was like waiting for you to tell me this. And she's like, oh my God, no, absolutely not. I even showed her on the internet where, where, where it said that. And she's like, that's so creepy. How do they know these details about me? But that's not true. Um, So fast forward, we are on the way to get our fucking marriage license. And I was like, 
what's this? <laughs> and I like, I'm looking at it and I'm like, what's this? And she's like, I, I don't know. Uh, it's just a piece of paper. And I was like, why does it, why is this a receipt for a divorce? <laughs> I swear to God, it said uh-huh. it costs like 240 bucks. And I kind of walked away because like, Willow is a very honest person. She has proven to me she's very trustworthy. Like I, mm-hmm. I walked away because, because I, I, I totally believed her. But in my mind, I was like, I, my heart was like, what is this? <laughs> you know? <laughs> and she, she later she told me she was panicking because she like hates to make me upset. And she was like, what is this? Like, did I? <laughs> you know, like. <laughs> Did I actually we, get a divorce? Yes, exactly. <laughs> so we went back and looked at it together because I was like, no, that piece of paper legitimately said divorce on it. And it was a re- it was a legitimate receipt for a divorce filing, $240. But it was like, I don't know, McHugh versus McHugh, like these two random people. So whoever, and we don't know anybody with that last name. Um, and who, so whoever like gave her her paperwork from the passport filing or the, or whatever it was, whether, I think she had to get like a new birth certificate or something, um, sent her this, re- this random ass receipt. Um, and that's the end of that story really is that <laughs> 15 minutes before we went to go get our marriage license, I found out that my wife was divorced, but not really. <laughs> Wouldn't it have been wild if you found that oh out like, the God. day before the wedding? I would <laughs> have, like, if it was a real thing, I would have to, like, call you and be like, I mean, I would, I, she's such an honest person and, and our relationship is really built on, like, a foundation of honesty and even about things that, like, I don't want to tell her. Um, <laughs> I, I would, my world would be really turned upside down again no shame to people who are divorced it's not about that i know that willow has had a life before me but it it shook me that like i that i thought that i thought it happened again that like somebody lied to me about it again anyway honestly with your track record like that totally makes sense i know and it was actually really cute because her family is really great and i feel very like grateful to be marrying into this family or married into this family um and she's like honestly you know that this is my first wedding because of how big of a deal my family's making out of it you know what i mean (laughs) yeah so cute yeah anyway that's my funny story if um yeah i'm sure i'll talk more about what it's like to be newlyweds but right now in the time of corona it's kind of surreal and not a lot is different (laughs) yeah i would imagine that it's like pretty much the same yeah yeah for our honeymoon we are are digging up our backyard and doing hard manual labor so if that's not a gay stereotype i don't know what it is (laughs) (laughs) right i cannot believe that you are doing this and that you didn't know that i made a patio of flagstone in my parents backyard and it was the worst summer of my life um I cannot believe you didn't warn me about this. Okay, for the people <laughs> I didn't know who you were going to do it. If I did, yeah, I would, for people I who told are not ca- caught on, um, Willow and I are digging, like doing a flagstone patio in our backyard this weekend. I'm literally taking a break from doing it right now to record. I'm covered in dirt, sitting on my couch, which is probably not like the best idea, but that's just who I am. Um, so please accept me. <laughs> um, <laughs> always have, always will. <laughs> And uh, this fucking project is so exhausting. Um, it's going to look fucking beautiful. But anyway, that's what I'm... You'll have to tell me offline, A, why you don't believe in ghosts, and B, <laughs> about your flagstone building process. Oof. Yeah, I know. All right. Our first letter comes from 
Anonymous Anonymous, who is writing from hell, <laughs> a.k.a. it's 86 degrees in my house. Oh, that's Which funny. is legit. That's way too hot. Way too hot. Hi, Sam and Sierra. First off, thank you so much for this podcast. Having a routine in my quarantine has been essential for my mental health, and Aww. listening to the podcast with my coffee on Mondays is one of my favorite parts. My question is about how to get my wonderful friends around me to realize that their standards for partners are so damn low. <laughs> Seriously, I'm so frustrated, but I know that I used to be the same way. I absolutely had no standards for how my partners treated me, but I always thought I would have to compromise heavily in order to find a partner. Spoiler alert, this makes you feel like shit. So off to therapy, I went. I took a lot of time to think about standards I had for partners and began realizing I could enforce boundaries around them so I didn't become attached to people who couldn't meet my standards when it came to how they treated me. Plot twist, therapy works, guys. I took a long break from all of that dating, which is what I personally needed, and it changed the way I saw dating in general. And it gave me time to work on my own self-confidence. Obviously, all of my friends are not in the same boat as I was, but my time not dating gave me a lot of space to realize that a lot of my female-identifying friends, myself included, have historically been had really low standards for what a, quote, good partner looks like. A couple standout examples of these low standards at play that have transpired with me in the last few weeks. The partner of my roommate and close friend who went through a very traumatic event last week couldn't take her phone calls to talk about what happened because he was playing video games with his friends and ghosted her for plans the following week. She keeps justifying the behavior, saying that he's busy and having long days that might be stressful and continues to talk about how sweet and kind he is for doing the bare minimum things like asking to spend the night after they have sex and coming to visit her at the bar where she works every couple weeks. Another friend of mine is dating a guy who is very sweet and funny, but has never had a job at age 30 and lives at home with his parents. Instead of asking for help or communicating when he's frustrated with his situation, he will go completely silent for sometimes days on end and ignore her completely and recently left her completely ignored for four days, even though they had plans and she was depending on him for transportation. She continues to let this behavior slide and has been doing so for over a year. Lastly, a friend was swooning over her new girlfriend because they got drunk and have huge fights all the time, but they're always, quote, fighting about positive things <laughs> instead of all the bad things she would fight about with her ex. I'm not actually sure what this means, but it didn't sound good. I have been lucky enough to meet someone wonderful whom I've been dating for about five months and who goes above and beyond in his kindness, thoughtfulness, and love. I am so happy I was able to set high standards for my partner and wait for someone who is ready to meet them, and I feel like I've hit the lottery. This fact, however, makes me slightly uncomfortable about talking to my friends about their partners and what I really think of them. I don't want my questioning of their relationships to come off as bragging about my own partner or insinuating that I'm somehow better than them because I know this is untrue and I know how lonely, unsuccessful relationships can make people feel and I don't want them to feel bad. I just don't know how much longer I can possibly hold my tongue while listening to them gush about partners who barely do the bare minimum for them. Should I bring it up gently? Should I give them the space to figure it out for themselves? Any advice would be much appreciated. Thank you so much for writing anonymous anonymous. Um, do you relate to this, Sam? <laughs> uh, yes, <laughs> that, I do. <laughs> that wasn't a dig or anything. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, <clears throat> I do relate to this. Um, I think I related related to this heavily in my youth. Yes. When my friends were like trying to figure out and myself too, right? Like mm -hmm, I want to, mm -hmm. I want to have a moment of accountability and be like, I dated some awful people as well. Um, but like, yeah, I friends who were 
hung up on people that they shouldn't be hung up on or people who... You're trying to read were, me right now. <laughs> yeah, right. No, I was actually talking about a different friend. Uh, or who are like dating people who are like awful for them, but they just like got high on the the awfulness and just like sitting there and being like, like objectively, you know, this is a bad idea, right? <laughs> you know, this person is it, not treating you well, right? <laughs> that feels a little personal, but <laughs> the sad thing I know it isn't <laughs> like, that's how universal like shitty yeah, relationships no, are. I was talking about someone else as yeah. well. <laughs> um, it's the egocentric person in me that's like, this is all about me. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. And I'm sure that there were people in my life who were like, and I know, I know that there were people in yeah. my life who were like, what are you doing? Yeah. 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 To me. Um, I, I agree too. Um, I, I, part, I want to add some like queerness up into this. Um, because I mm-hmm. think when I first started and into in, when I first started like, uh, exploring my queer identity and into, which was very early, but, and into my mid twenties, I think that like that lens made me also judge heterosexual relationships even harder um, mm-hmm. from a problematic, well, from a just and problematic point of view, because like LGBTQ relationships can be just as fucked as straight relationships. But like, oh, I remember being like, Oh my God, you don't have an orgasm every time you have sex. Like you, what is your man doing? Like reading a book <laughs> down there? Like, what is he doing? You know, like I, and I felt like, I felt like aghast at like, my friends not getting off all the time because Mm -hmm. they were like sexy, beautiful women who deserve to feel pleasure. And, um, and I felt like because I was having like a fun sexual exploration, um, you know, probably, uh, like a little too exploring for my own good, um, (laughs) that, you know, I wanted my, I didn't want my friends to get, I didn't want them to, I, I related to the letter writer. Like I felt like they were, um, setting their, their sites short. Uh, but that as like, I'm glad you said when you were younger, because it's, it's not that this is an, it's not that this is a, um, immature point of view anonymous. It's not at all, but I think with time and age and experience, you sort of over a long time, like over more and more time, you, you, it really hammers home that like everyone's version of reality is different and Mm -hmm. everyone's relationships to their standards are different. So it's, it's not an immature point of view because I know for a fact, Sam and I still believe this (laughs) about certain people that we are still, (laughs) we have a relationship advice podcast, right? Yeah. yeah. It's our, we're being all high and mighty. Yeah. Right. But we are obviously the judgiest bitches. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, exactly. Like, all we want to do is be like, oh my God, this person's treating you poorly. Leave them. Just break up. Um, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but I do think that the the thing that was, that was glowingly apparent from this letter to me is that you have literally no control <laughs> over yeah. your friend's standards. Even if you want to point out to them how they seem uh, short-sighted to you. The other thing I wanted to point out is, um, that I've been doing particularly in this season of my life is like you, the example you gave about like um, a friend of yours, like gushing about all of the things that her partner is doing for her that seem like just nominal to you. 
Um, just like gently reminding you and myself, because I am a judgy bitch, <laughs> um, <laughs> that everybody has different levels of needs and different triggers and different love languages. And, and what this person is doing might really be fulfilling your friend to the extent that she can be fulfilled at this point in her life or, or something mm. like that. Like, like we can also look at what your friend's intimacy levels or requirements are. I'm not saying that these partners aren't shit, <laughs> you know, like who knows? They could be. So could your friends. Like we all are. We all are shit. <laughs> but <laughs> but I am I I do wonder if there is some like turnaround thinking that you could do, which is, well, this partner isn't giving wouldn't be giving me enough, but maybe there's a world in which this is enough for my friend. Um, mm. that doesn't speak, I, that doesn't, that's just like a small part of our answer, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, cause that doesn't deal with like actually feeling like your friend is, could do better. Like that's a hard feeling to swallow. For sure. And I, I think it's just more of a reminder that we never know the intimacies of other people's relationships, right? right. Because we're not in them. And so this person could leave her on read for four days but it might be part of like an ongoing conversation they're having about this person's Mm -hmm. mental health. And Mm -hmm. like, you know, I think that it's important for us to realize that like, we don't have an inner glimpse of every relationship because we're not in them. So we don't know the full context. And so it's hard to, it's just a, a a gentle challenge to remember that and to think like, what about this? There might be something in the situation that I'm not seeing fully. So I'm not going to stand here and judge it or, name it or right. pretend like it's something that I know. Um, Intimately. That, Cause you don't. Yeah. Right. You don't. And so, um, you know, I think that that's important too. And I think like Sierra and I on this relationship advice podcast seem hypocritical when we're, when we are like literally doing this for everyone. But first of all, these people asked us to <laughs> meddle in their business. And secondly, I think that one of the things that I've learned a lot through this process of doing this podcast is that, um, I have to always take a step back and be right. like, this is what 300 words that you wrote here. I, I know absolutely nothing about you from yeah. those 300 words. Like, and so it's more important for us to like, understand our own experiences, like what we're bringing into it, like how we have helped ourselves yeah. rather than trying to like know someone and try and fix what they, we think that they're yeah. doing wrong. Yeah. And, and think like you, I think something meditative we can kind of do when we come up against these thoughts because I know they're hard like there are some friends in my life that I'm just like man you deserve the best you just not only do you deserve the best you deserve to not constantly swallow yourself like this you know like Mm -hmm. that's it's not even that their partners are shitty it's that I see them routinely roll over for people who don't deserve it, you know? Yeah. And, and that's painful. Right. But something that we can think of when that's going on is literally like people's life paths. It's not about being ahead or behind anyone We're we are all equal, right? Like the person with 50 years of therapy and, and zero therapy, they're equal because it's not about a hierarchy, but we can think about journeys, right? And what tools we pick up along the way. 
And it sounds like, Anonymous, you've worked really hard to pick up tools along the way to help you with your boundaries and help you advocate for yourself. And other people are at a different point in their journey than you, not better or worse than, but just a different one. So you can remind yourself like, man, I did all that work. I can't expect my friend to fast forward through all of the work that they haven't done, that I did, you know, Mm -hmm. and that they haven't done to get where to where I think they should be where, you know, like literally where you think they should be, not where they think they should be. Um, So that's like a one, like, that's like a nice little hippie woo woo mental check to do all in all of this. But now that Sam and I have done all of that woo woo bullshit, we can also just commiserate (laughs) with you about Mm -hmm. how it sucks when you see your friend, like who is awesome, uh, really accept less than that. Mm hmm. Yeah, no, that definitely sucks. And it's especially frustrating. It's especially frustrating if they keep talking to you about it. Yeah. And you're just like, hey, I gave you advice and you're not taking it. So like, why are we still having this conversation? Yeah. Well, I mean, does I I do think that you can. Um, I think I think a couple things anonymous. Um, you write. I don't know how long how much longer I can possibly hold my tongue while listening to them gush about partners who barely do the bit, the bare minimum. Well, sadly, my darling, you, you do have to sit through it because if they're not <laughs> complaining, um, if they're not asking you for guidance or support, then the right friend thing to do is to be happy for them because they're mm-hmm. happy. Um, but if they do say, I, you know, if they, or, it's, it is possible to 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 bring up little things gently if they say, well, he didn't call me for four weeks, but then we talked for 25 minutes a day and it was really nice. And you could say, well, what what about those four weeks? You know, like, does it upset you when he doesn't call you like that? Or, you know, I, I do think sometimes like everything I just said <laughs> is true. But at the same time, there there are moments where we as friends can say, you know, I think that you deserve the best. I think that mm-hmm. you deserve goodness or, or, you know, you're very lovable, right. Or you're worthy of love. Um, mm-hmm. Like when, how would you say that? Like if the person isn't complaining, if they're not like asking you for guidance, how would you put that into a conversation, Sam? I think I would do what you just said <clears throat> around like asking them questions about how they're feeling as opposed to, saying you're not getting what you need. Right. And instead be like, you know, he hasn't texted you for four days. Like, does that, how does that make you feel? Like how, like, how are you feeling about that? Right. Um, And giving the person the opportunity to like sort of interrogate that. um, Because I think sometimes when we're in these types of situations, we're so focused on the other person and trying to control the other person. Like, I really need this person to text me back that you're not focusing on like how you're feeling in that moment. Yes, like how totally. is this person's actions making me feel? Totally. I want to fixate on the, the person's actions and not on like the, the effect of those actions. Um, so I think focusing on feelings and like asking those types of questions, like, um, you know, how does, how are you feeling about this? Or like, is that making you, is this making you happy? Is this making you feel anxious? Like what's going on in your head? Like, I want to hear about you and like how this is, how all of this stuff is impacting you. Like, what are you feeling about this? Right. As opposed to saying like, this guy's a dick or like this guy's, this guy's not good enough for you because that, 
that becomes a, a sort of a shutdown of a conversation. Yeah. And I think actually like getting to know our friends and having vulnerable conversations about our feelings and about um, our insecurities is actually going to then lead to you being able to offer advice that feels more authentic and that feels more connected to your friend and less to your friend's relationship, right? right? Like, how can you say things like, you know, when you're having these conversations, they're like, I'm just so frustrated. And you can be like, listen, I want you to feel happy, right? right? Like, I don't really care about this dude. And like, I, he's like, I, like I have nothing against him, right? What I want is for you to feel happy. Right. And I don't know that this dude is doing it for you. Right. And like, and that is more of the conversation that I would have as opposed to saying like, he shouldn't be leaving you on read for four days. Like, right. Cause then it just becomes about him and not about your friend and their, their vulnerabilities and their feelings. Right. Um, I wrote down too, like if, if, if we're going to take a little bit more of a subtle, not even subtle, but like a supportive route instead of interrogating. Um, I try to always like affirm with my friends who I've noticed have troubles asserting their boundaries or whatever in, I let them just talk. I let them, you know, express what they need to express. And then whenever they share that they have, you know, upheld a boundary or, or did something that I know empowers them, I affirm the fuck out of it. I say, good, good. That is so good that you did that. I'm, you know, I'm so Mm -hmm. proud of you or, um, you, you definitely deserved, you know, you did that, um, so well, or, or that was the, uh, that was an appropriate response. You're definitely not overreacting or something like that, affirming that action. Um, and then the last thing I wrote too was um, in my notes was from the sounds of this letter, like Sam says, it does sound like you are at a point where this is becoming, I think you use the word exhausting, right? Or, hmm. you know, you're, you're getting to the point where like, you're getting really frustrated. If you take all of Sam and I's suggestions as you see fit, obviously, but if, you know, if you do this sort of like meditative reflection of like, you know, every, you don't know the ins and outs of their relationship and you can't control your friends and where they are in their journey and everybody's different. Da, 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 da. After all of that internal work, if you find, if you are still at the place where you find that, you know, maybe a friend's partner is treating her particularly poorly there can come like a push to shove sort of moment where you say, I love you. And I've been thinking a lot about this and I just want you to know how I think that you deserve a relationship that gives you what you need, um, that you're worthy of love and that I see all this goodness in you. And I don't see that goodness reflected from your partner. Mm. Um, There can be that intimate moment, but I think that intimate moment can of truth of your truth has to come after a lot of internal labor to, to sort of like, you know, push our egos down, push our, push our assumption over other people's reality down so that we're able to come to them with our pure concern, not our judgment, not our Mm. rules of reality, nothing like that. But that as Mm -hmm. a true genuine friend there, there can, you can come to a point where you can have this like, sharing moment, but I think it has to be done after that emotional labor. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think at the end of the day, anonymous, um, my advice to you is just to remember that you have no control over other people and what they do. Yeah. Um, at the beginning of this letter, I said that I've been doing this 
less since I've gotten older. I want to make it clear that it's it's not necessarily because my friends are in better relationships now, although many of them are, mm. but it's also because I have recognized that like I can't change the, mm-hmm. totally. the people in my friends date. <laughs> and all I can do is show up for them with compassion and with vulnerability and empathy, right? Um and so th- I, has be, and that has freed me to be less concerned about totally. it. Right? Like it has become less frustrating to me because it's like, I can't do anything about that. All I can do is just love Not and support my friends. Not all journeys friend. can be mine. Not all journeys can be mine. Thank you, Heather, for that Thank one. Thank you, Heather. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, Anonymous, we hope that this helps. Uh, we love you. We see you. We see your concern and we know it is an act of love and we hope this helps. Absolutely. We love you so much. Y'all, as a self-employed person, as a mom of a toddler, I am always struggling with finding time to manage my finances. At the end of a busy week, the last thing I want to do is spend time budgeting all of my expenses or tracking down customer service teams to cancel old subscriptions I no longer use. But now I use Rocket Money and it does all of that for me. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps you lower your bills so that you can grow your savings. With Rocket Money, you have full control over your subscriptions and a clear view of your expenses. You can see all your subscriptions in one place. And if you see something you don't want, Rocket Money can help cancel it with a few taps. I love how the dashboard shows me this month's spending compared to last month. So I can clearly see my spending habits and check myself if needed. Plus, they'll help me create a custom budget and keep my spending on track. Rocket Money will even help try to negotiate to lower your bills for you by up to 20%. All you have to do is submit a picture of your bill and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. They'll deal with customer service for you, which I obviously love as a somewhat introverted, conflict-avoidant person. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Rocket Money has over 5 million subscribers and has saved a total of $500 million in canceled subscriptions, saving members up to $740 a year when using all of the app's features. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash just break up. That's rocketmoney.com slash just break up. Rocketmoney.com slash just break up. The weather's getting warmer, so it's time to say goodbye to jackets, sweaters, and hello to shorts and tees. I wanted to update my wardrobe for the long haul without spending a fortune, and luckily I found Quince. Now I've got a lineup of timeless pieces that keep me looking effortlessly chic year after year. Quince has things like premium European linen dresses, blouses and shorts from $30, washable silk tops, timeless 14 karat gold jewelry, and so much more. And the best part is that all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. This past month, I treated myself to a pair of new slippers because I'm in that hashtag mom life era of my life um, in which (laughs) um, I am never not in slippers. And these are 100% Australian shearling lined clog slippers. And I love that they're slip on, but they have those durable rubber outsoles. They're super cushy, super comfortable, but I feel like I can 
run outside to like take the trash out in them while also like staying warm and active in the house. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash just break up for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash just break up to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash just break up. All right. Our next letter is from Abby W who is writing to us from Charlotte, North Carolina. Dear Sam and Sierra, my name is Abby and I'm a new listener. Your podcast was recently recommended to me by my boyfriend and his sister. Oh my God. Awesome family. <laughs> yeah, that's great. I have so much fun listening to a different episode every morning. You're, I love your guys' advice, thoughts, and humor. And I want to thank you for sharing your experiences through this platform. I don't have a pressing issue to write about, but rather a more general question. I am a 19-year-old female college student, and I've been dating for my boyfriend for almost five months. We go to college together, but we're separated when the pandemic sent us home. He lives in Massachusetts, and I live in North Carolina. However, we managed to strengthen our relationship even over distance, and I got to visit him recently. It was incredible, and we are very much in love. I say this to make a point that I am currently in a loving relationship, and I'm very happy. When I think back on old relationships, such as the two I had in high school, I always say, well, that wasn't real love. What I'm experiencing now is real love. Back then I was just young and I didn't know what true loving connection was. But I had told one of these boys that I loved them and I had come close to telling the other because at that time, those feelings, the feelings I had felt really real. Or did I only think that they were real because I didn't know better? My question is this, should we invalidate our old loves because we were young and our current love is so much deeper and more meaningful, or do all of our loves count as real loves because they were felt at the real at the time, no matter their simplicity? To be clear, none of these boys ever treated me poorly in any respect. It's just that my two relationships in high school were much less deep than my current relationship. So is this the first time I am really in love or is this just the first time I am in love as the person I am today? I don't want to invalidate my younger self, but I also wonder how much validation I can give a younger version of myself because I've grown so much since then. I would love to hear your thoughts on this topic. Thanks for any help. Best Abby W. Thank you so much for writing, Abby. Yeah, this is a great question because we just get to muse on things. <laughs> I know. And I love musing. <laughs> um, yeah, Abby, this is a great, thoughtful question. Um, and what I, one of the things I love most about this question is that you are still like arguably young, you know, and I, I don't mean that in a weird ageist way, but like you're very young and to have this thoughtful question um it's very profound and I, I imagine that you are going to have, you're going to reflect on this question in the decades to come. Um, mm. And I say that be- Abby, because I, your question strikes something profound in me where I look back on my twenties and I look back on my teens and I think, and I think about my relationships and how they unfolded over those two decades really. Um, and how I could I could say similar things about my loves that you did about your high school relationships. Mm-hmm. What are your first, what are your first feelings about this? Or have you ever thought that way? 
I think I did when I got out of high school. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I think when I was younger, I thought about this type of thing a lot. Right. And I think that part of that was because I assumed that there was a shared definition of love, Mm -hmm. right. That there was like, that there was a reality of what love is. Yeah. Like it was like a destination that you got to. Yeah. Yeah, Mm -hmm. for sure. Um, but what I've realized, you know, having, having loved quite a bit in my life, which I'm very thankful for, um, is that it's not necessarily that, that one is truer than the other. It's that my loves look different, that Mm. my loves showed up differently. And some of them were, were more nutritious than other loves. Great word. Oh, I love that. Some of them were like a weak broth and like some of them were like a very hearty stew. A weak broth. (laughs) I cannot handle that that description (laughs) from you. I can't. All of a sudden, you're like Oliver Twist being like, please, sir, I want some more weak broth. (laughs) Honestly, and because they were weak broth and because they weren't very nutritious. I cannot handle every time you say that, I laugh. (laughs) Oh, my God. Say it again. Weak broth. (laughs) I would be like Oliver Twist and be like, please, sir, can I have some more? Right. Because it wasn't nurturing. It wasn't sustaining me in the way that I that I needed. Yeah. Um, But that doesn't mean that it wasn't real. Right. It just means that it was a different version of what love is which is like open and honest communication with a person like wanting the best for them and wanting the best for yourself at the same Mm -hmm. time right um so i don't think that those loves were like not real it's just that they were different variations and had different levels of of whether or not they were feeding me right yeah that is so real what a profound answer to a profound question um i agree as and when i when I think about the the palp- palpability is that a word mm-hmm. <laughs> of love, um, what you know in reference to your like weak broth, like hearty stew sort of thing, um, uh-huh. I think that my ability to love someone more came grew with my ability to understand myself. Like, mm. like it grew with my identity. Um, and so Abby, I, th- I think that it's not that your high school loves weren't real. It's that you were loving them to the extent that you could at that time. I mean, also like, I do know that there are high school sweet- sweethearts. I know that people like, you know, fall in love in high school and stay together forever or whatever. But I, but that that's only possible if you grow together, right? If you, Mm -hmm. if you fall in love with the high school version and then you grow to love the 20 year old and grow to love the 30 and grow with them. Right. It's like, it's almost as a, a long-term early relationship like that. You fall in love multiple times because you're constantly growing. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think that, you know, those high school relationships, um, Abby, you were, you were loving to the extent that you could, I mean, in high school, you don't have a lot of autonomy. Um, you are focusing on a lot of other things like school, our brains aren't even fully developed and, and that's not even a dig. That's just like science. (laughs) Um, and, um, and so you were, those loves were as real as you want them to be. Um, and I think as you get, as you go through life, you're going to, um, while this question is really thoughtful and um, 
important to your, not maybe not important to your relationship right now, but like, you know, on, on your mind right now, as you move through life, you're going to realize, like Sam said, that your relationship to love or what love looks like to you is going to grow and evolve and be different to you and different to every relationship. And Mm -hmm. therefore past loves are going to have less influence or they're going to have less hold on your future loves, they're kind of your idea of love is going to continue to expand and, and grow. Um, I think it's a, it's a cool place to be in. Um, and I think similarly for myself, as, as I understood myself more, as I grew more into myself, so did my ability to love and have that intimate relationship that Sam was talking about. And therefore, you know, at 29 or whatever, or at 34 now, I can look back on my high school love and think, I loved him as much as I could, but mm-hmm. I didn't love like I can love now. Yeah. I think it's, um, I think that that idea of you are more capable of loving the more that you understand yourself is such an important idea. Um And I think it's like, it's absolutely been true in my case, right? Mm. Like the deeper I have come to understand myself, the the better I am able to understand what love is for me and, and actually like do it, like do the Mm. work of loving a person. Because it Um, is work. Yeah, for sure. Mm -hmm. And I also think that there's like, it's that. And also it's like meeting the the right person too, right? Like I don't want to, I don't want to literally takes time. Yeah, for sure. Cause and I, luck. <laughs> I, yeah. And I think that that's, um, that's something that sometimes we, like you and I miss when we talk about this stuff is like, yes. yes, you have to work on yourself. You work on yourself. Right. But the working on yourself doesn't, doesn't just automatically like get you a partner from the partner store. Right. Totally. Like, it's not like you like accrue enough points and then one is given to you. <laughs> it's, it is also like, you have to, you have to date people. You have to try mm-hmm. people on for size. You have to like, you have to put yourself out there. And honestly, part of it is just luck. Like how yeah. do you cross paths with the right person that is <gasps> capable of receiving and giving you the love that you deserve? Um, and I think that like it, it, those two parts need to come together. And I, I've been thinking a lot about that recently um, just because I've been like reading a bunch of the letters that we've gotten. Yeah, totally. Um, and that thing about like, it has, it's also, Sadly or excitingly, it's just luck sometimes. It is just like the right person I'm needs so to walk into this. your life. <laughs> I'm so glad you're saying this because as you were talking, I had this like realization that you and I both you you echoed my sentiments of the more you know yourself, the better you become at loving. And I had this when you were talking, I was like, Oh my god, that's maybe wildly not true. <laughs> because hear me out, when you're younger. And this is not about, again, it's not a hierarchy. It's not better or worse. I, um, when you're, at least in my case, when I was younger, I was, I didn't know myself well. So I was more willing to put myself out there because I Mm -hmm. didn't have the experience of being rejected or hurt. I didn't know what I, I was kind of like, I was blindly feeling my way through relationships and life. And Mm so in in that way, I put myself out there a ton more than when I'm older, more guarded, more hurt, you know, so I recant what I said, but I think it's like a combination, right? The, it, you, 
you have to be able to half of you has to know yourself and the other half of you has to leap, you know, really into the unknown. For sure. But it's it's also easier to leap when you know yourself. That is fucking the truth. Yeah. When when you know, right, when you know that jumping to that that cliff in the distance, there are mattresses underneath (laughs) that like that are like your sense of self, yes. your identity, the, your the, friends. the life yep. that you have created, Champagne. The people you have relationships <laughs> with, right? <laughs> right? Uh, it makes it easier to take that leap because you know, like, if I don't make it to that person, I will still have all of these wonderful things in my life, right? Yes. Like, And I think that it's much easier when, for me too, when I was younger to like put myself out there, but that's because I, I didn't know myself well enough. And I thought that the only thing out there for me was, was out other there. people. Was <laughs> right? other like, people. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. It had to come from somewhere else. And yeah. what, you know, what that, that period of me living alone taught me was that like, I don't need other people. Other people are wonderful and I'm yes. so thankful for them. But knowing myself deeply is also enough of, of a life, right? Is enough of, um, like that brings me the same level of love that, other people can. And, and that like having Peter in my life now is just icing on the cake, mm-hmm. right? That was already a really awesome cake. <laughs> it was an awesome cake. Yeah, it was. I mean, that apartment was disgusting, but that, <laughs> <laughs> that is fine. Uh, yeah. So I think it is like, you know, we do need to know ourselves deeply in order to love in a way that is nutritious, that is actually serving us well, so because otherwise then we're just going to accept weak broth and be like, wow, this is so good. And everyone's yeah. like, it's not good. It's not You're good. So it's like the first letter. It's like, like you are literally wasting so away. Weak. <laughs> yeah. um, I think the, the, the last thing I want to touch on that I was like trying to say earlier, but I got sidetracked with a different point was um, Abby. It's good that you're questioning this. Like is self-reflection is always good. Right. But another thing I want to say is that in five years, in a decade, those relationships aren't, aren't, aren't going to define anything. They're just going to be a part of your story. And however mm-hmm. you carry them is okay. However you carry them now is okay. However you remember them now is okay. Because you are, you're not going to be defined by your past love. You're going to be defined by your present and future. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Or not defined. That's, That's a weird word to say. But like, you know, your life is now. You know, your, the present is now. Absolutely. Something, 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 something profound. That's great. Yeah. (laughs) You'll nail it with the affirmation later. Yeah. Thanks. (laughs) Okay. uh, Abby, thank you so much for writing. And thanks to Abby's boyfriend and Abby's boyfriend's sister for getting her onto this podcast. Absolutely. We love you. We love you. Thanks for writing. All right. Our third and final letter comes from Free, or am I? Who is writing from... (laughs) Paris, Texas. Paris, Texas. The people actually live there. That's crazy. I always thought that was just like made up in like 90s cartoons. I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> they're always like, we're going to Paris. And then they never went to Paris, France. They always went to Paris, Texas. Oh, and that's be like, funny. What? How did we do this? But apparently it's a real place and people live there. <laughs> anyway. Ah, free rights. First of all, I have to thank you so much for what you do for all of your listeners. I've just started listening to your podcast and the sheer amount of wisdom, compassion, and support you bring into every episode is amazing. The positivity has really helped me through a hard time. I wish this podcast was somehow required listening for people. (laughs) 
<laughs> I am glad that it's not. To oh, be no. I'm all like, get us in the curriculum, bitch. <laughs> How much happier and healthier would everyone be if it were? Oh, questionable. <laughs> yeah, honestly. I'm coming to you having just gotten out of a long relationship. He's the only sexual partner I've ever had. At the age that I'm at now, I don't believe anyone will believe that I'm sexually inexperienced, by, but I feel that way. I always considered my partner a generous lover because he was never too quick, didn't mind foreplay, and always made sure I got to finish too. Things I'd heard friends complain about with their boyfriends. But looking back, I don't know if that's how I'd describe him. He was never communicative about sex. He wouldn't tell me what he liked, and he was very quiet during sex, which always made me sure I was doing something wrong, even though he always got off, always enjoyed it, and always wanted to have sex often. He wouldn't talk about the sex outside of bed, and a couple of times I pushed for us to explore new things I didn't feel heard during. It ended up each time feeling silly and eventually came to the conclusion that I didn't really trust him with whatever fantasies or curiosities I might have about sex. Even wearing lingerie never went well with him. I tried many different kinds, and each time he seemed in a hurry to get it off me, and not in a good way. He seemed almost embarrassed that I was wearing it, but always would brush off any of attempts to figure out what he might like better. He eventually said he just wasn't a lingerie man, but I believed him since how I looked and it didn't seem to be the problem. He always seemed genuinely attracted to me, complimented me on my looks all the time, and liked looking at me during sex. This was all very confusing to me. He was years older than me and had had many sexual partners. I couldn't understand why he couldn't just talk to me or give me some direction. I constantly felt blind and insecure in bed, Hmm. and the more I felt this way, the more basic and routine sex became between us. By the time I began suspecting that he was cheating on me, it felt like we had been having sex on autopilot. Mm. My confusion and insecurity skyrocketed when it was confirmed that he was, in fact, cheating on me, and he used my lack of adventure during sex as an excuse, even though he never initiated anything the least bit adventuresome between us and barely seemed interested the few disappointing times I did. My question is this. How can I unpack and let go of all of the hangups my past relationship has given me when it comes to sex? I'm afraid I'm going to find it too hard to open up to a new partner and trust them the way I learned not to trust my ex. I'm afraid I'm going to be boring and bad or awkward because I know so little about what I like and what I can do that my next partner might like. I don't know how to admit that I still don't feel like I know how to have sex after having it for so many years. I know there are books and articles I could read, but I don't really want sex to become a book report with whoever I have (laughs) sex with next. (laughs) Legit. My last sexual relationship felt contrived enough And I know if I started to get the feeling of going through the motions in the middle of having sex with someone else, I'm going to shut down and not be able to follow through. I don't know what to think about my ex other than he wanted a lover who would totally take charge in bed and didn't need any direction or reassurance or even discussion to do so, which tracks with how a little emotional labor he did in the other areas of the relationship. And I can't imagine why he thought I could give them, give him those things or why he thought I'd want to. God knows I've tried telling him what I did want and discussing that what he wanted so many times. All I know is I'm so certain my next attempt at, se- at sexual relationship is going to be a disaster that it doesn't even seem worth trying, even though I do want sex and romance again, only this time with someone less toxic. Of any, If any of that made even a little bit of sense to you, I would be endlessly grateful if you would share with me what you think I can do. Oh my gosh. Love this letter. Free or am I? Thank you so much for writing. And I'm so sorry this happened to you. This sucks. But guess what? I'm going to spend at least 60% of my answering your letter just bigging you up. 
<laughs> just telling you that you're awesome and uh, that a lot of your insecurities, your your anxiety, your anxiety is telling you that you are, uh, your anxiety is telling you this narrative, narrative that mm. you are not good in bed, that you don't know what you're doing, that you're unattractive, that that's why your boyfriend left you. But like your boyfriend left you because you just weren't for him. But again, mm. this, and that sucks, right? That is a thing that is easy, that's uncomfortable for me to say, right? Um, that he left you because he was interested in something else, period. Humans suck. That's just what we do, <laughs> is that we suck constantly, and then we put our suckage all over other people. Um, That's right. But you, like, I I like this letter so much because you were, you, you beautifully articulate your insecurities and your anxieties about moving forward into a new relationship. But, like, from what I have seen, you're, like, very willing to, like, be intimate with your partner. You're very willing to talk about it. You're, you're, Mm -hmm. you're willing to try different lingerie. Like you're even willing to like buy a book on sex, right? Like you're, you are above and beyond as emotionally, physically intimate as you can get. Right. Just because, just because you don't have a lot of sexual partners or experience doesn't mean that you're not a sexually intimate person. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that there's there's a narrative that you can flip inside your head of like, um, I'm I'm open. I want intimacy. I want to try new things. I'm willing to like take directions. I'm willing to to buy laundry. You know, like you sound pretty fucking cool to me. <laughs> yeah, right. No, honestly, and I think that um, what's interesting to me about this letter um, is that you took on all of the blame for the sex, like the bad sex that you were having. Like that it absolutely couldn't be this older guy with a ton of partners, even though he obviously has like intimacy issues. (laughs) Yeah. And I was like reading your letter and I was like, yeah, this guy needs to work on his sexual intimacy. Like I wish he was writing this letter because like you're the one that's going through the steps of, of trying new things, of having these difficult conversations. And he's the one that's like shutting down. Like he's yeah. the one that's not able to show up in, in intimacy. Yeah. Right. And, and so it's interesting. It manifests in a infidelity, right? Like that, that right. not getting what he wants manifests in that way. Instead of just saying, A, I'm not getting what I want or B, I don't see our relationship going somewhere or whatever. It manifests in an unhealthy way. And that's because he didn't have the tools to confront it himself. Absolutely. And it is much easier to have sex without vulnerability than it is to have sex with vulnerability. Ooh, right? Girl, so like, tell the church about it. <laughs> no, honestly. So like the fact that he sought out sex outside of your relationship was probably not a product of how adventuresome you were, because it sounds like you were trying to be more adventuresome yeah. than he felt yeah. comfortable with. But instead that he gets to have sex with the person who doesn't ask him a lot of questions about it. Yes, <laughs> right. Totally. Who doesn't actually want to like be intimate with him and doesn't want to like explore what it means to wear lingerie and to try new things and to do things that like society teaches us are weird and that we shouldn't want to do them. And so like, I want to, I want to flip the switch on this like immediately. Like I want you to reframe this 180 degrees, Mm -hmm. which was that you shouldn't be feeling inadequate for what you were doing. You should recognize that your partner was inadequate in being vulnerable in his sexuality. Mm -hmm. And that is not your fault. That is not your bur- cross to bear. It is something that he needs to work on. And I am, I'm not trying to blame him for this. I'm not right, saying he's an he's awful on person. His own thing. Yep. That's right. There might be multiple reasons why he is uncomfortable with sex. Cause let me tell you, 
or or Society maybe you're teaches just, us yeah, to maybe be uncomfortable with sex. Maybe it's he's you're just not his cup of tea, and that's his prerogative too. Like we're not trying to like criminalize sure. your ex. We're just trying to like paint it in a way in which, like Sam said, you don't take it all on yourself. Uh, mm-hmm. It is such our instinct to say this happened, and I it's these are all the reasons why it happened because of me. And not because of the fact that we are so multifaceted, complicated, messy, incompatible human beings that try to smash our lives together. (laughs) For sure. Yeah. And I mean, like that's (laughs) society teaches women that their one job is to get their husbands aroused. Right. So like, Uh, yes. (laughs) Right. So like how so that you can have babies. Right. So Mm -hmm. like how I can totally understand how devastating it would be to feel like you are not you are not sexually exciting him. Right. But the reality is, is that like you were doing all the work and he wasn't right. Like he was the one that wasn't bringing, bringing it. Yes. And I, and what I think is really great for you free is that like, you now have all of this practice trying new things that you can now bring into a relationship with a person who is better able to meet you where you're at. And I, right. And I don't want to like set up the expectation that sex is always exploratory and like new and exciting because it's definitely not. But that exploration never ends, right? Mm -hmm. In the way that the the becoming of ourselves never ends, our exploration of our own sexuality and our bodies is ongoing. So, you know, you can like 20-year-old Sierra, who I feel like, sexually explored quite a bit right i still am discovering things about myself my desire you know into my 30s right like that this Mm -hmm. is ongoing forever um two things that i want to like maybe prepare free for um that are a little have yet to be touched on is one um you talk about your anxiety of like being awkward in bed um in like how to how to not be triggered by your maybe future partner hesitating or not feeling like you're enough or whatever and mm-hmm. and honestly and I don't mean this in a pessimistic way but just like be ready for it if that might happen like you might your your future partner might um not move in the way that you anticipate or desire you in the way that you anticipate or might not give you the direction that you want um I don't mean that in an ominous way. I just mean, okay, so what can we do to mentally strengthen ourselves to emotionally prepare ourselves for that thing? Like, uh, for example, um, when Will and I first started dating, um, I had been, I, I, the last person I was with cheated on me, remember? And so there came a tipping point in the first month, two months of Willow and I's relationship, which I was like, oh, fuck, it's going to happen again. I had that triggered response of like, oh my God, like what if she goes to a party and something, da, 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 da. And so, and I really had, and that I had to put on my like, thank God I had been doing this podcast because <laughs> I had to put like my big girl hat on and um, I had to apply all the head and heart work I knew to be like, Willow's a different person. You're a different person. You can mm-hmm. handle this differently. You You have the tools. You know how to you know, that discomfort is telling you free that you have the opportunity to do something differently, or it's telling you that sex is uncomfortable and 
being intimate with people, both physically and emotionally, is uncomfortable. But if you lean into it, if you if you if you're ready for it, right? Not in an ominous way, but if you're ready for it, you say like, you know what? I have some sensitivities around sex and desire and being desired, and I know some feelings. This some discomfort might come up, but I know that's my trigger to comfort myself and say, nope. I've got this. I don't need you anxiety. I'm here and ready to explore and be open to this new physical relationship. That's what I mean by be ready for it. It's just like, be Mm -hmm. ready to tell that anxiety. Not now. I don't need you. I'm safe, right? I'm lovable, desirable, all of that. And the other thing I wanted to touch on is like, um, the feeling that your sex got like mechanical or autopilot, Um, And this is more like a conversation that I want to open up with you, Sam, because it's obvious that this relationship was dying, right? Was on its way out because of Mm -hmm. infidelity and whatever. Um, But how do we manage for folks like me, because I relate to this letter and some other people who've written in about this for, for folks who, who, whether willingly or not put a lot of onus and value to sexual desirability, how do we navigate when our long-term healthy relationships become a little bit more like autopilot in bed? Does that make Mm -hmm. sense? Because, and this is, this is for long-term thinking for free because I agree that again, like I said, the, the sex went to autopilot because the intimacy was dying and the relationship was dying, whether she knew it or not. Right. But you know, like being with somebody for a couple years plus, like sometimes sex become like loses its shine and loses its passion, <laughs> right? Um, uh-huh. And and for folks like me who in the past really struggled with defining myself with my desirability, how do you navigate that? You know, that's a great question. Yeah, let me put answer. you on the I'm, spot. I'm interested for that. in it. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I think I, even if it's just you and I like muse about it for a minute, I wanted to touch on it because that is something that came like that. I thought of when reading this letter of like, well, that might be something that triggers free in the future in like a healthy, good relationship. If, if, cause it's, it's happened to me. If I start to feel desirability waning, even though we're having sex, maybe it just feels a little bit more, um, calcu- you know, like scheduled or whatever. Mm-hmm. I have to, I have to do the thing that I was just talking about, which is like, I have to big myself up and, and, and show, remind myself that desirability doesn't always look like passion, that mm-hmm. my worth doesn't look like my sexuality, you know, like I, I have to self-talk a little. And I'm wondering if you have any other suggestions for that. Um, I think just reminding yourself that the the desirability can also manifest in different ways than physical desirability, mm-hmm. right? Like your desirability when you cook a meal, right? Mm. Like that, like that's one way that you can be desirable. Super high. Or your, right. <laughs> the desirability of you contributing to the mortgage payment, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's also desirable. Um, and I think, you know, I think that's hard because, because we are so ingrained around like physical attractiveness, Right. Like we are just constantly taught that like our worth is tied up in how physically f- attractive we are. Yeah. Um, but that's hard to recognize. But, but I think, you know, the more that we can all begin to um, dismantle that a bit, I think the more that that 
will be less true, right? Yeah. Like the more that we can, we can begin to say like physical attractiveness is not the end all or be all in our, in our worth, uh, in our, in our relationships, yep. right? Um, like having conversations like this, get me excited for what the future could look like. I right? love and when it, you say things like that. Yeah. <laughs> like, it just makes me so excited. The idea that like, if we can all collectively agree to begin to, to dismantle, dismantle some that. of these things that we have been taught, like it just gives me so much hope that the world can be a better place, right? Yeah. Like if we begin to do the self-work of saying like my my physical attractiveness is not an indication of my worth and therefore I know that that's not true of others too. Like just think of how much, how many awful things that we say and do about people would end if we yeah. were, yeah, if we could just find a way to say like, this is something that, people are telling me that I know isn't true yeah. and I'm going to choose to believe myself over what everyone else is telling me. Yeah. <laughs> and if I, we could all do that, like there's just so much potential in, in, in ways that we can restructure this hierarchy that we've created mm-hmm. and continue to enforce um, that. I just, it just gives me hope for the future. Like this is why yeah. I do this work. Like this is why I have this stupid podcast that we do every week. Like, <laughs> Don't call it stupid. Um, <laughs> I also wrote down when you were talking, I, I had this revelation that like my insecurities about like my sex life waning or does, or desire looking less like passion um, mm-hmm. comes down to trust. And I wrote down the word trust. And if, when I first wrote it down, my mental iteration or like my mental thought process was trusting that Willow loved me, right? That she Mm -hmm. wanted me. And that like, if we weren't having sex, she wasn't, if we weren't having sex for a week, like she wasn't going to leave me. Right. But as you were talking, I realized that it's not just about trusting your partner. It's about trusting yourself. It's about trusting Mm. that I am worthy. I am lovable. I am desirable. I am not defined by any of this, right? I'm not defined by my partner. I'm not defined by their desire for me. I'm not defined by my salary. I'm not defined by my job, you know, all of this Mm -hmm. stuff and trusting, trusting that you are enough, that you are worthy as is. Um, Absolutely. I love that. Yeah. And I think that's something we all struggle with, but like you said, I, I think that that is the, that's the path to the better, the better world that we're bringing, we're building. Absolutely. All right. Free. Uh, we love you. Um, we can't wait for you to like get it on and get freaky with somebody else, (laughs) (laughs) you know, like consensually and like self-exploring, you know, whatever. Absolutely. Or by yourself. Sorry, you're not defined by your partner or your desire. (laughs) No, absolutely. Have sex with yourself. It's great. We love you. (laughs) Thank you so much for writing. (laughs) All right, everyone. This brings us to the blind date segment of our episode. This is when we try and set you up with something we think you're really going to like. Today's blind date is? Uh, It's a cookbook accompanied by a TV show called Salt, Fat, Acid, and Heat by Samin uh, Nusrat, I think is how you say it. I don't know, though. Um, Mm -hmm. N-O-S-R-A-T is the last name. And Samin also has an accompanying Netflix show with the same title, Salt, Fat, Acid, Heat. And it's not like any other cookbook I've ever read. I got it from my new Um, mother-in-law. It's fascinating because it goes through the four foundations of cooking, salt, fat, acid, and heat, and breaks it down into 
basically what each of those components do chemically to food. Um, so it changes the way and has changed the way I think about cooking, seasoning, um, balancing flavors. It's very um, chemistry based. Um, and like, for example, there aren't you have to read it more like a novel than a cookbook. Um, and the television show is on Netflix and it's a four part series going through each of these elements. Um, it's so genuine. It's so, um, what's the word? Good feeling. What's a good feeling. No, that's not a word. <laughs> you know, like fuck, fuck. Perfect example of Sierra not knowing any words. Um, good, war- warm hearted. Maybe is that what I'm trying to go for? Um, sure. and it's also fascinating if you're a foodie like me and a cook, like I love going out to eat. I love food. My idea of heaven is sharing a good meal and a bottle of wine with people that I love. Um, If you are anything like me in that way, definitely buy it. I've just really enjoyed reading it. And I found it so not only informative, but just enjoyable and feel good. Um, So again, it's called Salt, Fat, Acid, and Heat. It's a cookbook and it's a Netflix show. Awesome. Thank you, everyone, for listening. You can like us on Facebook or you could follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Just Breakup Pod. You can slide into our DMs, send us your favorite relationship memes. But most importantly, you can submit all of your questions about all matters of the heart at JustBreakupPod.com, which is also where you can find our merchandise. Please leave us a five-star rating and review and consider supporting us on Patreon. If you support us on Patreon for as little as $5 a month, you will get an additional bonus weekly episode. That's patreon.com slash justbreakuppod. This literally keeps our mics on and helps us reach more brokenhearted souls who need two random strangers giving them relationship advice. Original music, recording, editing, and producing by our amazing friend, Big Cats. Make sure to check out his podcast, The What If Podcast. And remember... You are enough. If you are single in this quarantine, you are enough. If you are struggling in this quarantine, you are enough. You aren't less than if you are alone, and you are not more whole if you're with a partner. You are worthy of your dreams and your desires. You are loved, lovable, and loving. And if all else fails, Just break up.